Greetings and welcome to another episode of Recruitment in the Modern World. My name is Anthony Haynes. I'm Communications Director at FJ Wilson Talent Services. Uh, FJ Wilson is a recruitment and talent company. We specialise in dealing with professional roles at mid to senior level and we focus on uh, organisations for professionals, membership bodies, learning um, providers, awarding bodies, that type of organisation. Now in this podcast we often focus on recruitment specific topics so we've published episodes on such matters as um, onboarding staff, for instance, inducting staff, uh, writing a job uh, person specification or a job advert and so on. But occasionally we deal with more general business issues, issues that affect recruitment and talent companies, but also affect other kinds of businesses as well. So, for example, we've published episodes on such matters as the business context or business environment and stakeholder management. And this episode falls into that second category of more general issues beyond recruitment specific issues. And the episode is the first in a mini series of three episodes. So we're recording three episodes, all of which are devoted to the topic of time management. Now, for the purposes of this mini-series, I'm going to distinguish between two approaches, which I'm going to call for convenience, not entirely happily, but for convenience, I'm going to call them the bottom-up approach and the top-down approach. And to discuss these approaches, I'm going to use two to my mind, excellent resources. So to discuss what I'm calling the bottom-up approach, I'm going to refer to a book by Ed Bliss called Getting Things Done. And for the top-down approach, I'm going to refer to a book called 4,000 Weeks, Time and How to Use It by Oliver Berkman. So today's episode, what I'm going to do is outline what I'm calling the bottom-up approach. So let me tell you a little bit about the resource that I'm using to help focus my mind and focus a discussion on this. As I say, it's by Ed Bliss, and it's called Getting Things Done. I ought here just to mention the fact that there is another time management book out there called Getting Things Done by someone called David Allen. And in fact, that's an extremely commonly referred to, much respected book. But it's not, just to avoid confusion, it's not the one that I'm discussing today. Today's book is by uh, Ed Bliss, and it was first published back in 1976. Now, the bad news is I think the book is out of print and has been for some time. Um, I actually tried to find Ed Bliss or his family in order to see if I could uh, acquire the rights in order to bring it back into print, but I, I never managed to do that. So sadly, it seems to be out of print. The good news is it's pretty easy to acquire secondhand copies inexpensively. I've bought several copies over the years for uh, friends and colleagues and indeed family members to use. I first came across the book about 20 years after it was published. I came across it in the mid-1990s and I've used it frequently. Uh, and I use the word use rather than just, I have not just read it, I've used it because I think it is actually a kind of tool it's a tool for getting things done, for helping you to use your time effectively. <clears throat> and I've used it on my own. I've sat and read and 
set myself some objectives and formulated some habits, but I've also used it a lot with other people. And the format lends itself to using with other people. It consists of uh, 70-odd chapters, and each chapter is typically a couple of pages long, and small pages at that, so they're very short. And it means that you can share ideas very quickly and say, why, why don't we look at you know the chapter 30? Why don't we, why don't we focus on that? Uh, uh, today and it's written in non-jargonistic everyday language and that makes sharing and discussion a lot easier as well so i've used it sometimes with one other person because i find in time management you certain amount you can do to improve your own practice but if you've got someone a, a sort of collaborator someone else alongside you who's trying to improve their time management in the same way i find that makes things much more effective and i've always i've also used it with whole groups where a group of us would would pick one of ed bliss's chapters and uh, each week we would focus on one chapter and try and improve our use of time in in the way specified so why do i call it bottom up in for the purpose of this program because i think these are this approach is quite granular. It tends to deal with concrete issues or take its starting point, at least, from concrete issues. It tends to deal with particular kinds of tasks you have to do, particular kind of activities you undertake, uh, specific objectives you might have. And then really at a kind of tactical level, it gives you ways of, to some extent, it specifies what you shouldn't do, but it also the balance is more on constructive um, advice of actually giving you some guidance on, well, here's how you how you can deal with a particular problem. Here's how you can improve your practice in a certain area of time management. And I think the best way I can characterise that is just by giving a few examples. As I say, there are several dozen ideas covered in the book and that's one of the things i like about it like it's difficult to believe as anyone out there who would read several dozen tips on time management and say yep well i do all of those nothing nothing for me to improve on there then you know everyone finds at least some things there that are helpful so i've just chosen a handful and i'll just go through them and as i hope as i say i hope it will characterize for you what i'm calling the bottom-up approach the first one concerns four words, and the four words divide into two pairs. The first pair is if only, and Ed Bliss says what happens is people spend a lot of time and in fact waste a lot of time reflecting on what they did in the past, reflecting on mistakes, regretting things and thinking, ah, if only I'd done so-and-so. And his advice is, strip that phrase from your vocabulary because it wastes your time regret wastes your time and replace it with next time next time i'm in that situation i'm going to do this so that's the first tip replacing if only with next time the second one i've chosen is what he says about making lists i think everyone who deals with time management uses to do lists, action lists in some way and Heath gives very good advice on how to compile those lists. So I won't I won't go through it in detail. But one thing he says is always make sure that you've got uh, two lists on one side of the paper, things that are scheduled. They have to be done at specific times. You know, you have a meeting with someone at 10.15, for instance. And on the other side of the paper, you have a list of things that you want to achieve. 
but actually aren't scheduled. So you, you can you have some flexibility in terms of what, at what point in the day you do them. And he does say about the second list, we tend to fill up our to-do list for the day with the most urgent things. So how do we select what goes on the discretionary list, the, the list that we can have some flexibility in terms of time over? Uh, well, we tend to go through the most pressing, the urgent or the almost urgent. And he says, well, that's a real danger because then things only get on your list once they become urgent. And actually what we need to do is identify things that are important not yet urgent, but important, and make sure we're progressing them bit by bit. So he suggests that when you when you draw up your to-do list, you review it and think, am I actually creating space to progress those things that are not yet urgent, but are really important? And I think that's a, a useful, commonsensical, very sensible bit of advice. And it isn't what we always do with to-do this week. I think we need people like Ed Bliss to to, to help us on that kind of type of thing, or I'm certain I do. Another one is procrastination. I used to suffer an awful lot in my working life from procrastination. I don't so much these days, and I think that is actually credit to Eblis. I, I would say this this resource has made a huge difference to my use of time and my productivity at work. And he has various solutions to procrastination, so I won't go through all of them because I think that would take rather a long time, even though they're, they're concisely expressed. I'll just pick one of them. He talks about the salami technique. If you've got a task that you keep pushing off because you don't, you can't face it, and often you're not quite sure how to do it or you really don't feel in the mood to do all of it he says break it into slice cut it into slices divide it into a task into atomistic pieces and he says the key here is make each subtask each mini task that you divide your task into so small and undemanding that you can't fail to do it you know there's just nothing daunting or nothing about it that, that can't would excuse you putting it off and he he gives an example of making a, a an unpleasant phone call and he says number 1 first task look up the phone number write it down just do that well you can't fail to do that can you and then the task is underway and then he says with a bit of elaboration that I won't go into he says um set a time to make the call. And then he says, get out the file and review what's happened in the case that you need to make the call about. And then a fourth mini task is decide precisely what you're going to say. And then the fifth one is place a call. And you don't have to do them all at once, but you just break them into these little mini tasks that you tick off and you know you're going to succeed with. I'll take another one, um, which is uh, to do with dollars. I mean, he's writing as an American author. He says, work out what you pay, work out how many hours you work and work out the hourly cost of your labour. And then when you're thinking how to allocate time, work out the cost. How many dollars, if if you're running your own business, how many dollars is it costing you? Or if you're working for someone else, how many dollars is it costing the, the organisation for you to do something? And he, he gives an example. He says uh, maybe it was um, uh, some sort of talk where a bit of conversation and you might feel tempted you're enjoying it you might feel tempted to let it run over a bit and extend it by a quarter of an hour well before you did make that decision just work out in your head well how many dollars is that then and is that actually 
a good use of the money. So I find I do that almost instinctively now, and it does make me more circumspect about how I, uh, you know, how generous I am with my time. And the fifth, the fifth one I pick out today, the last of a handful, is one that uh, I know from personal experience can make an absolutely huge difference. He says, keep a time log. So divide what you do in your work into a certain number of fairly broad categories. Divide the time, the day into a number of periods and actually keep a log of how you use each period, you know, how you allocate different chunks of time to the different aspects of your job. Now, I use this, uh, there was a time in my life decades ago where I was um, working full time and I decided to go part time and work 60% of the week. And everyone said, you'll end up doing more than 60% of the work, you know. People said to me, this always happens when people go part-time. They think they're going to work a certain percentage of the week, but in practice they end up doing more than that. And being rather an arrogant person, I thought, well, I'm actually not going to do that. Uh, I am going to get it right, so I'm going to be paid 60%, and I'm going to work 60% and I'm not going to work 65%. So for a few months before I made the transition, I used Ed Bliss's idea of logging my time. Found it very useful because actually when you log your time, you start to notice things straight away. You start to think, ah, oh, that's the third day where I spent quite a lot of time on that and I'm not really sure that's terribly important. So actually even the process of just logging the time before you actually start to analyse it, uh, just makes you more reflective and it uh, helps you to make better decisions. But I found with my specific um, need, I could then make some rational, informed decisions about how I get from 100% to 60%. So that's what I call the bottom-up approach. I suppose another phrase might be something like tactical. I think what Ed Bliss is doing is giving uh, time management time management tactics and i think it's a very valuable uh, approach very uh, concrete very thinking in that way is very easy to integrate into your practice so i hope i hope this episode has given a useful introduction to one approach to time management the next episode the second in the mini series will deal with what i've called the 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 top-down approach the more if you like the more strategic approach so i hope i can welcome you back to recruitment in the modern world for that this podcast is produced by dr bart hallmark the music's by harry chalmers and the podcast is published by fj wilson talent services if you'd like to contact us about us the services we offer we offer recruitment services we offer talent development services to help you develop the talent you already have on your staff and we also offer coaching to help develop individuals if you'd like to contact us about our services you're of course very welcome to and the best way to do that is via our website which has a very easy uh, url it's simply all lowercase fjwilson.com that's all one word fjwilson fjwilson.com hope to hear from you Thank you for listening.